recruiting ish web three world class podcast let's get it let's go the topics of discussion you cannot get from another opportunities in web three we got you covered meta intro been dope gotta thank you for the love and support that you're giving keep it coming we going up in jazz fees interviews with the crews making moves let's see it's a brand new world of nfts join in recruiting ish podcast yes please join in recruiting ish podcast yes please Meta Intro does not give financial advice. Information provided by Meta Intro is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. Always do your own research on the companies that you apply to and the opportunities that you invest in. Well, Heather, welcome to the Recruiting Ish podcast. Um, as we always start, would love to hear a little bit about how you got to where you are, um, where you're at now, and, and kind of what some of the projects that you are up to are. I've got a long, strange journey, <laughs> um, but as so I'll keep it real brief, but um, essentially, I was born in L.A., raised by a single mom, recru- recruited to play basketball at UC Berkeley, and that's how I got into that campus, fell in love with the campus, um, came home and said, I'm going to Cal, but I'm not going to play basketball because back when I was in college, there was no WNBA, there was no future. So, uh, you know, got into my academics and really fell in love with the power of computing. I, I started on some statistical packages and just realized what you could do with computing. And um, and I think that that was kind of one of the sparks uh, for me. And I will also say, you know, as a child, I was always encouraged to, I was pretty free, uh, free range type of kid. And so I was encouraged and, and certainly not discouraged to tinker with stuff. So I am somebody who loves starting, fixing problems, that kind of stuff. Um, so anyhow, I stayed in the Bay Area, um, come to find out, 35 years with the exception of business school, where I went to, to Yale for business school. And in that time period, uh, started a couple of nonprofits, a couple of for-profits. And I think that the vision for me came from right out of business school, I had worked with a uh, consulting firm that was in the financial services industry. And this is in the mid-1990s when all the banks were consolidating and but the founder of the consulting business was Amy Arrett, this woman who's also a serial entrepreneur. She um, she founded most recently. She's the CEO of Madison Reed, the hair dyeing company. But she's you know she was the youngest person at Bankers Trust, youngest executive, and um, anyway has been very entrepreneurial. And we really scaled up that consulting business and then sold it. And so. You know, before I was 30, there was a payday and it was like, okay, I can pay off my my business school loans and uh, now what do I want to do? And so I think what I really get excited about is solving real problems. And so I went from there and, and built my first nonprofit called SF Works. And what we did was we built bespoke training programs for people who are formerly on welfare and got them hired into living wage jobs. Um, and I did that by you know, reverse engineering all the skills that somebody needed to have and working with the employers so that I knew I was getting people hired into great jobs. Um, and But I used Digital Think, which was the first um, e-learning technology. And that really, again, what I when I look back on my career, I was, even when I wasn't building something um, from scratch, I was using the best of new technology and emerging technologies. So anyway, I went on to do that. We got 11,000 women hired into living wage jobs, 
created another nonprofit called um, Earn, which helped people, low-income people save for assets and built the first kind of platform that was like a cross between Credit Karma and your Vanguard account, something like that. Um, and then I went on, um, and then I worked for Gavin Newsom when he ran for mayor. I was his communications director. So I used a, an emerging technology to put, put his gravelly voice onto, um, onto our e-newsletters. And so that was kind of fun. And, um, and then I realized that I had been running a business for, for a decade that helped foundations build strategies and help philanthropists do better giving, higher yeah. impact. And, and so I realized that I wanted to build my own technology business. And so I launched a company in 2012. Um, we built enterprise software, which were digital portfolios for colleges and universities and anyone who wanted to make these multimedia portfolios. And I sold that in 2015. And then I started getting more interested on the investing side. I worked with Bill Gates and Melinda Gates at, the at their foundation for a while doing investing um, and research into new technologies, including AI and blockchain and um, and VR and AR. And so that was 2016 and 2017. Um, and then I thought I was going to start my own kind of investing um, fund at that point in time. But I was asked by um, Gavin Newsom, now governor, and, uh, and a couple of other folks to build the first upskilling platform for the state of California, which is called Calbright College. And what we do is, again, like I did with SF Works, but now it's all online. We we teach people the competencies for specific jobs, and then help people help employers hire people who have the right skills. So Amazon um, and Autodesk and uh, some Salesforce admin type jobs. Um, these were all jobs that we were training people for, and uh, employers that hired them. Accenture was another good employer, and uh, so after that. Um, 2020, I resigned from Calbright College and um, helped start a venture capital fund. I co-founded a fund called Black Ops Ventures, which is the first venture capital fund to uh, invest 100% into black founders of tech companies. And the reason is, is only 1% of venture-backed founders are black. I was one of those uh, among the 1% um, in 2012 when I started my company. And uh, from 2012 through 2018, I was the black woman who had raised the most venture capital and then had the biggest exit. So I really want to reduce the headwinds for other black women and uh, non-binary people and uh, people in general from being able to raise venture capital. Um, and so I have been um, making a lot of investments and then I've been really active on two boards um, Black Girls Code and Udemy. So those are um, some other activities that I've been really busy with uh, recently. Have you written a book? Because I think that's the only thing that I heard that you have not done based on that intro. I've, I've thought about it and toyed with it. Um, don't feel ready right now. Yeah. I'm actually helping my wife uh, with a new venture that we're going to be starting up soon. So I mean, what an inspiring career. Uh, yeah. Really, I, I'm inspired to hear even <laughs> the piece that I think is so important that is just not talked about in today's day and age, which is upskilling or even getting a one-to-one -one of the skills 
in our education system that you need to perform a job. And that's just, it's such a mismatch in today's day and age. And I, it's so frustrating in our political day and age that we don't hear any discussion around that. And it really would, you know, help, you know, you hear this constantly these days, innovate out with AI, innovate us out of this problem, innovate us out of this mess. But it's like, you still, these, these workers still need the skill sets to right. you know, pr- right. provide value. So exactly. And it's, it's really about just in time. So when I was starting my company, I lived on lynda.com. That was the jam yeah. back, back yeah. in the day. I'm aging myself, but um, you know, I would go there, learn some Photoshop thing or whatever I was trying to figure out. And actually Udemy is the company that is best in the world now at um, helping people learn what new skills they need to have to do their next gig, whether it's with the same company or in a freelance position or to find a new gig or whatever. Um, And thank goodness Udemy exists because we have 50 million people out there taking courses and 80% of the courses are free to people. 20% are super affordable and you don't have to apply to an institution. You don't have to, and same on the instructor side, anyone can teach a course. So if you're good at it, people are going to come to your course and our top tier of instructors are making millions of dollars and said no teacher ever. And um, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to worry about tenure at a, at a university, which is all um, political and you know all the things. So I, yeah. I, for me, um, Udemy has democratized and that's where you go to learn like industry relevant, cool skills. Um, that you, you need when you need them because, you know, by the time you go through a, an institution, like half the things that you need to learn for a job, like they don't even teach there because they're brand new. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I think in I, myself, even too, like looking at education and how I found it, I look back and I've, I've talked to people too, where there's a couple sides to the problem, right? Which is not everybody wants to or can go to the traditional college route, which is now incredibly expensive. And obviously time is is of essence. It takes a while and it's getting super competitive. So the, the programs that you're working with, like, again, it gives you the opportunity to learn probably equally, if not better in a better scenario, which I think opens up a lot of doors. But then the other side of the problem, right, is you know, recognizing or having employers that partner with you to offer opportunities and kind of recognize these programs. It sounds like, you know, Udemy and doing some research in Black Girls Code have a pretty good network of both uh, alumni as well as companies that value that and kind of invest into it. Tell us a little bit about maybe what that process was like to find those companies and as a company partners with you, what that looks like. Yeah. No, it, it is true. There are so many wonderful employers out there who realize, and, and they're just groups of people, right, who are, you know, parents and uh, daughters and sons and whatever. Um, and they want to, they realize that, like, the only game, the, the real competition any companies are playing these days is for talent. Like, that's the only game in town, let's be honest, because your company's only as good as the people who work there. And so it is incumbent upon every business to continue to make sure that there is a workforce being trained and prepared for those for your opportunities. And um, when you find those great employees, then the thing you want to do is retain them. And um, and so uh, to start with Black Girls Code, actually, since we haven't really talked about them much, um, 
Black Girls Code was created over a decade ago specifically because a lot of Black people don't get access to the best education. And uh, one at one point in time in this country, it was illegal for Black people to learn to read and write. Um, and so we have a, a historical compounded kind of issue with education um, and the best of it being withheld from us. And, um, and so what we realized is that, you know, is that we need to take responsibility for educating and exposing our own to opportunities that they might ha not have access to. And we know that, um, uh, we know that for example, to, in today's world, the majority of people get their jobs through their networks and not through, um, you know, earning an interview because you get weeded out before you, you filtered out before you can even interview for a job in most cases. So there really needs to be network building and also exposure given to people who have who have been raised in low income environments in rural communities where they just, you know. Um, daddy doesn't work at, at a big company and his buddy can't, you know, make sure he get an internship or the, the things that we naturally do when you have those networks. And so um, to kind of break those cycles of lack of access, you've got to be very intentional. And that's what Black Girls Code has been. Let's expose girls, Black girls ages 7 to 17, to what different technologies do, how you learn to code. Um, what technology does in every aspect of industry in this country, um, what different jobs look like. Most people who have who haven't been, you don't have computers in your home and you don't have technology and your your parents didn't work in these you know tech driven companies. You literally don't know what technology can do and you don't understand how that economy is working. So we're trying to expose our girls who haven't had the kind of exposure that they need to. Um, to this information. And employers play a huge role in that because if we have a, a day at Facebook or, or whatever and you see the people and what they're doing for jobs and they're doing QA and they're doing, you know, tracking and monitoring of social media and the content and they're, you know, looking at data and they're, they're doing all these different cool things, but you may not even know that all these jobs exist, you know? So it, it's really, it is exposure as well as education. And um, um, so there are different solutions for, for, for different needs and different populations. But what Black Girls Code has been great about is not only exposing our girls, but also getting a lot of volunteers and a lot of um, community involvement and helping our girls get, get access and exposure. And now we have a whole generation of alumni who are then able to, from college and from their jobs, you know, bring our girls through and, and get them exposed to more information, that sort of thing. And so that's been really exciting. And with Udemy, in the case of Udemy, we have um, we have over 8,000 employers as customers. So we not only have the marketplace where individuals can take courses, but we have over 8,000 businesses who are buying you know, seats and licenses for their employees so that they can continue to upskill on the job. And this is a way to retain and continue to develop the talent that you've, you know, luckily found at your companies. And so there's a continuum. It's just like a ladder, I think, of where I'm always learning things and I'm hopefully always also um, sharing information with other people because I think 
Um, well, I was just taught that, you know, um, I've been greatly blessed and, um, and it's important with every blessing to be able to share the blessings with people who haven't had that kind of opportunity. And so, um, yeah, that's what I think it's about. It's about lifelong learning, really, and sharing the information that you have to offer. What about you? Have you uh, gotten to hacking some uh, code at any time in the last couple of years? Or, I mean, do you have any time to do that? I, you know, I haven't done any serious stuff myself. What uh, More what I've done is been a reviewer of and kind of a strategist sure. of different uh, stuff. And I'm working on something right now, but it's a, like we could talk back in uh, in September, and I can talk more about it. Ah, but I okay. can't even working on right All now. All <laughs> good. We'll have to we'll have to have you back. We'll have to have you. Yeah, I have to uh, have you. Yeah, I uh, I used to do Teal's program a long time ago, and then uh, my wife actually founded the Coder Dojo chapter in New York City. Oh, so I I know like the system, you know, a lot in terms of how these go. Could you talk a little bit about the program, Black Girls Code, and, and Maybe sure. even just how it works and why it's so important to those girls, sure, uh, sure. because it is like it's a, it's a, it's a really incredible way to teach someone, and it even is. as a mentor, you you learn a lot too. I, I learned so much, you know, going through those programs. So I'd love for yeah. to hear from you. Yeah, sure. So we have throughout the year we have some cohort based learning that has become more hybrid since COVID. Uh, where we used to just have chapters that were in person with um, the girls and mentors who would have a session on learning to code a game or make music through coding and uh, et cetera. Um, and so we've been, you know, it's been a little bit of a, ironically, it's been a little bit of a transition for us getting more of that to be online. And actually one of the most exciting things that we've done recently is we have a program called Code Along, which was developed in collaboration with a company called Goldie Blocks um, out of Southern California. And uh, we have a YouTube channel where girls can go and asynchronistically take these courses um, where where women of color are teaching them coding. And it's um, a really special way to just kind of get in the living rooms and get in the homes of girls, you know, ongoing throughout the year. But um, what we've always done from day one is we've had chapters where people would come and they'd have different topics in the community. And again, you get to hear from people who have jobs in different you know, areas um, doing UX or whatever, and they talk about what their jobs are. Um, they'd have even um, interview sessions for interviewing for internships. Um, and then kind of our big thing has been the summer programs. So we have in multiple locations throughout the city, uh, throughout the country, as well in South Africa, actually, we have um, programs for the summer that last couple months where the girls are going through intensive learning to code and then culmination with the hackathon. So it's wow. like real time and you're, you're getting to know that you learned some skills that you didn't walk in the door with. Um, but like you said, so much of it is seeing people that look like you and your family and your mother, um, who are, and other people who don't look anything like you, but also are really interested in you and, um, and care and are, are being there to help you learn some skills and to give you some information. And so, um, and a lot of the things we do during the year um, outside of the summer programs are also where we have uh, sessions at different companies so that people 
I mean, you, you, you know, it's such a, it can be so expansive. It's such an expansive opportunity just to walk through a company and see the workforce and see the cool jobs and see how people live. And it, it just really expands the mind. And they're like, wow, you mean I could get a degree in computer science? I could have this kind of job? You know, yep, absolutely, you could. And so um, that's really exciting. Um, my daughter Maya is an engineer at Boeing and she lives in Washington. And, um, you know, she can't wait to have um, uh, a group of girls go through the Boeing thing. And, and aeronautical en engineering is pretty fun because you're looking at planes and they fly on planes and it's like real relatable, you know? So it, it's fun. Um, so yeah, it's really a lot of it's about exposure. And it is really, I think, very gratifying for the people who volunteer as much as it is for the, for the girls because um, knowing that your knowledge and your experience um, could help you know, really open a whole set of new opportunities and a new, new trajectory for somebody is pretty, it's a pretty awesome feeling to feel like you had that influence with somebody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's any way that we can move more of, I know the Canadians do it with, especially in college with their one semester on, one semester off. And when yeah. I worked in, you know, tech in New York City, the best, you know, some of the best engineers came from Canada for those internship programs. Yeah. Um, and even you think about hundreds of years ago, like there were some kids that just went in to, if they were a blacksmith, you just as 12, you were, you know, the apprentice that we we're learning. Do you think there's any way for us to, cause that, like you said, that exposure, even honestly, just seeing a, seeing a technology floor and seeing yeah. what's going on and seeing, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a manager. Oh, there's, it's so helpful. And it really fills in a lot of the blanks of learning. Do you think there's any possibility for us to make that more accessible and available? You know, I, I absolutely, I absolutely believe in the apprenticeship model for that very reason, it, because exposure is so important. It's, it's both important for the person coming into a job. And it's also important for managers these days because, Interviews really don't give you a great, um, inf great information about how somebody behaves on the job. hundred percent. And so, um, what we did at Calbright College, and I thought this was a great model, was we'd have people learn the competencies of the job. Let's say there are thirty competencies for a job, and once you demonstrate mastery, you've kind of completed the technical part of your work. But then it would um, kind of then put you into an apprenticeship at companies so that the managers could really see you know how to apply what you learned. And there is a difference, as we all know, there are people who are book smart and like ain't got no common sense, you know. And, um, and so it's really important that people, um, that you can observe people. When I had my company, I loved hiring people as consultants first and yep. have work on a project because then you really, they really interact with the rest of the team. You see how they communicate, how they, how they do their work. And that to me is, is so important. So I think apprenticeships are valuable for both the employers and, um, and individuals. And in fact, there's a new company called uh, Build Within. And what they do in particular is they do all the paperwork and the processing of apprenticeships and apprentices so that employers don't have to worry about that part of it. Um, Amazon, though, had apprenticeships um, when we were partnering with them. And I, I think that there's more to come on that front. I really do, because it's very effective. And as 
as you know, coming out of Silicon Valley, like a lot of the best engineers didn't even finish college degrees, didn't start them. Um, and that's why Calbright College was so important for, for me um, because we had people who had the, the inclination, the interest in doing technical jobs and we could get them into entry-level tech jobs and a degree really didn't have anything to do with it. And so if you can focus on, um, it, it's like for people who need to be caught up on a lot of different things, what you have to do is assess what they already know. And, um, and maybe if you want to assess for their, their patients around how, how, how willing are they to keep trying to solve a problem even though they don't know the answer immediately. Those are some of the attributes that really help with coding. Um, but you can, as long as you can understand what gaps people have, it's really easy then to focus on, like if it's Swiss cheese, filling the holes of the Swiss cheese. And um, it's not rocket science, but we could do a lot better with helping educate and upskill people so that they have better opportunities. Yeah, that's a great point. I think like on being on the technical recruiting side, a lot of the frustration that I've heard from individuals in technical roles or trying to get into technical roles is like, I'm introverted, right? Like I, I learned how to code. I, I like to work heads down and a lot of the role is that, but some of these jobs, you got to upskill on kind of those soft skills around communication and, and things like that. And it sounds like for the programs that you're working with, it's all inclusive, right? Like it it's is. not only hard skills coding, but also like some of that other stuff. Do you see similar, you know, issues or problems around that kind of traditional model? Um, sounds like you do, but um, how, what's feedback from the candidates been that have kind of gone through this well, process to then get get a role and ultimately, you know, show that success? Yeah, um, I think that a lot of them did underestimate how important the communication part was. And it's like, no, that's everything. Your your morning scrums or everything like, um, you know, uh, it's not, there's a difference between being an individual contributor, meaning you focus on your workload and then you, you've you got to still, but you've, you, you know, you focus on your piece of work, but it still has to figure, fit into a bigger puzzle. And so you've got to be able to articulate and identify, you know, what's fitting in neatly where you're, you might be stuck and, and you need to collaborate with somebody else to figure this out. Um, and so I think what people have said to me once they've gone through different programs and they're actually in jobs, they go, oh, I really underestimated, you know, I was nervous about the technical piece, but I didn't, I didn't understand how important the communication part was. And I'm so glad I'm prepared for it. Um, uh, Udemy has the largest library of technical content of any online courseware in, in, of any company. And, um, and you can, there's no shortage of content where you can learn the technical skills, but learning, uh, I worry that a lot of our generation, especially after COVID and um, because of COVID, people haven't learned how to communicate effectively. And um, even communicating via email, Slack, whatever, there's, there are do's and don'ts. There's the, like, the important stuff about it. And, um, and so, that's a really important part of all this work and, and, and shouldn't be, you know, underestimated, shouldn't be devalued. Absolutely. Is there anything uh, within any of these programs that is targeting now some of the more, like somebody has a skill set and you're advancing them to a next level or 
opening them up to a new industry. Obviously, I'd love to hear if you guys have talked at all. Obviously, you have a Udemy uh, AI and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah. Yeah. how you're kind of weaving some of these new frontiers into the curriculum and for these right. individuals that are probably yeah. eagerly trying to access it. It's funny because in 2017, when I was at the Gates Foundation, we were talking about the future of work and the future is here. So <laughs> it's uh, it's a funny experience. But um, uh, so with Udemy, no doubt, we have 150 new courses that we just released that are really about becoming prompt engineers and learning about AI. You know, for the past, I think, five years, one of our top selling sets of courses were the AI courses. But huh. now, wow. like now, it's all coming together. And, you know, you can imagine the potential at Udemy, which has, you know, this such a robust amount of content that is, we also, the other unique thing at Udemy is that on average, our instructors update their courses four and a half times a year, which no professor ever does of any traditional course, right? And so it's really super fresh. And that's what this marketplace kind of encourages, really encourages you to keep your courses um, as fresh as possible. So um, you can imagine with the amount of data we have with users and courses and which courses and which moments of the course are most valuable, um, the possibilities for us to serve and coach our learners so much better with the use of AI ourselves. Um, so that's really interesting, but but um, definitely a lot of people, the majority of people who are um, like my chil children's generation, like in their you know late late twenties rather, are really realizing that for the they're not going to be able to ride out this AI thing. Like they're going to have to figure out how it gets baked into the cakes. Yeah, um, and with startups that I invest in. Um, you know, they're really, really thinking um, they've been saying that they have plans for AI, but realizing that it needs to be natively built into their their technologies and their processes in a way that they hadn't imagined. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, at Black Girls Code, we are actually and I, I wanted to announce this um, here. We're actually looking for a new CEO. We have a job spec and I got to figure out what's the best place. You know, if they want to go to my, if they can go to my LinkedIn page, um, Heather Hiles. We'll link uh, it below here. Okay, great, great, great. Then I, I will uh, post the job description and people are, are welcome to apply for this position. But the next decade, what is Black Girls Code going to be doing with the change in the world? We, we want to, we want to entertain new ideas because what we've been doing is interesting um, but it's not to say it's the best and highest impact for our girls in the future. So we want to rethink and we want somebody to kind of lead us into the future of the organization. Um, but definitely um, into our curriculum for this summer, um, more conversation about AI and its role in technology and in our lives and in our work lives uh, is, is a big topic. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. If you're listening and you are interested in the role and, and match some of the specs that we'll post, definitely reach out to Heather. Um, and who knows? We'll see if we could find you someone through the, the podcast. That would be an you awesome. Never and then we'll, then we'll have everybody on afterwards to hear how it goes. Yeah. Um, on on that AI point, I think the, the conversation I've heard from maybe the recruiting side, the job seeker side, the company side is, you know, 
is AI good or bad, right? When it comes mm. to kind of the new wave of how we operate. Wow. Um, where do you kind of stand on that? Um, I do. I'm very mindful of the dangers of AI and it having its own um, its own mind, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and 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 I'm very mm -hmm. very um, deferential to deep learning. I, I just, mm -hmm. as a somebody who as somebody who's been in the space of learning and, and learning technologies for 35 years, this is just such an exponentially big leap we're taking uh, for the powers of people to learn anything and everything. It's just, I find it super exciting. Um, what I will say is that I think, my net-net is I'm very, very optimistic because what I think AI means to us as humans is that we get to spend more time doing work and spending you know, all of our time with the things that are ultimately just human and that more technology can do the things that are kind of dumb labor or um, machinations of content yep. and information that is rote. But, uh, you know, when you think about a doctor, like the last time I saw my GP, she spent half her time like on a screen, like trying to find, you know, a test result and like, you know, trying to put in some notes. And it was a very dissatisfying experience for me. Yep. I would much prefer that she has the information already analyzed and can have a conversation with me, really focus, really be present with me and let something record, dictate, you know, take dictation and give her the information, the output she needs later on so that we can really spend that human time. And that's what I think we as humans, we want. And so to me, if we can spend 90% of our lives having the good human contact, um, whereas we spend maybe 50% or 40% or 30% of that, depending upon your lifestyle, and the rest of the administrative, the administrivia of life is kind of handled, I'm like all for it. And so I just, um, I just see the power of the you know, making so much more space and room for what what we really get out of being humans and um, and letting computers do, you know, the writing of contracts and the reporting of, you know, expense reports and, the, you know, whatever the things are that we shouldn't be spending yeah. our time, you know. It's so yeah. many things. Even your doctor example hits home so hard of just like, what if it's just listening to you and after the fact, it flags something that you said that they didn't even pick up. And it's just like, right. oh, my goodness, you know, this is let, let me alert her. Uh, you know, it's just so right. important. It's so important. It's so. so important. Like literally, my son is in med school right now. And one of his first exams, they have this thing where they have you interview a patient and you're trying to find what's really going on. And it is meant to show how hard it is because the patient doesn't always offer all the things that are really going on and you've got to try to figure it out and get it. And yeah, if you have good computers doing all that work and you can, you know, bring down and have more essential human connection, it's going to be better for all of us. It's just got to be. I, I have to bring it back to the CEO role, which is an incredibly exciting announcement. Uh, we'll definitely you know, have it in our show notes, yeah. but yeah, you said it in your 35 years of education, this is a really exciting time to even take on a role like this because there a little bit, is it a playbook? You can almost 
rewrite it a little bit. Is there anything, you know, maybe just one thing that you're really looking for in this candidate that might match up to the, you know, be success for, you know, you and the program, anything like that? I mean, in a word, I would say a visionary because we've got to have somebody who sees um, the future and can realize the ways in which we need to catch up our girls to be ready for the future. You know, um, uh, my grandmother used to say, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Like we need <laughs> we need a little help with that. And so yeah. I, I want somebody who has a vision and who knows how to pull a team together. So I, this is go, goes beyond the one word, the one thing, but I, we need somebody who is a visionary but knows how to care for and build a team of people who can realize the vision on behalf of our girls. And so that's, that's what we need. You know, somebody who's probably seen a lot, done a lot and is ready to, to give back and, um, or somebody who has done a lot is younger though, and hasn't had their opportunity for leadership yet and, and really is ready to go. Um, so I, I, there are two personas I can imagine kind of for this role. I'll tell you, uh, a room of female engineers, is, there's a lot of creativity that comes from those oh rooms. I've it's seen so it firsthand. Powerful. It's so different and yep. it really is inspiring. So, I mean, yep. uh, whoever's going to get this role is incredibly lucky uh, because yeah. Yeah. It, truly, it, it really is going to open up a lot of doors, not only for these young women, but to be honest with you, for opportunities for the industry as well. We need more female engineering leadership. I'm, I'm talking specifically, I'm an engineer and I see what it does uh, yes. to really differentiate an engineering team when you have that diversity within it. That's that's exactly right. Uh, I um, My son's girlfriend is an engineer and how she works for a digital health company and how I see her approach problems is just different from the majority of male engineers that I've, I've worked with and, and had worked for me. And what I found like when I had my company was that when you have people from all different vantage points who have, you know, different mindsets, different approaches, different ways of doing things, you just come up with magic. You come up with the very best. And it really is not just gender based and it's not, but it is different lived experiences. It is different perspectives. It is the things that, you know, a room full of people who are all similar are just going to be seeing it in one dimension. And then you bring in a whole other group of people and it's just, it, it, it just brings dimensionality to it, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 No, I, I would agree. I think that's been my favorite part of working in like crypto web three digital assets and now seeing yeah. AI is it opens up not only just location. Cause I think most of these companies or startups are open to kind of the global footprint, which obviously opens up, you know, new skill sets, new mindsets, obviously gender and diversity, part of that, but it also, I think like the industry and what we're working on is cool problems, right? Like yeah. I think yeah. 10, 20 years ago, building the internet, it, it wasn't cool or sexy, right? Sure. A lot of people didn't want to get into it. There was the stigma around what coding or engineering was, and that's changing, right? This new generation, I've got, you know, a 12 year old cousin that loves chat GPT and does it better than I can. So like right. this right. next generation looks at these technical roles and they can see people like themselves in it and have opportunities through these communities. And I think it is making, you know, coding cool, 
right? Like, do you, yeah. do you see that or have you gotten any feedback that's oh, similar? Oh, definitely. I'll tell you also, um, uh, two years ago, my wife and I moved from the Bay Area. We had a home in D.C. and, and in the Bay Area, and we moved from, from there to Miami. And I will also say <clears throat> it feels like a different center of the universe because Silicon Valley always held itself as the center of all entrepreneurship. And there was like, this is what a VC looks like. This is what an entrepreneur looks like. This is, and I never looked like any of them, by the way, but it's fine. <laughs> it was like real one way, you know? And um, being here where people are spe speaking different languages, um, the Web3 community and the crypto community and, you know, biohackers, like the world is just full of different vibrancy over here in Miami. And it's a different, it's a different era. Because um, you also know what the vibe is like in San Francisco and Palo Alto right now. It's not real. It's not really energetic right now. Um, and but it is super energized over here. And it people look different, but there is a whole different wave and a new generation of founders coming up with all kinds of creative stuff. And I find it so refreshing because we were in kind of a lull. And you know the big innovative companies are all old right now. Like if you look at the big innovative companies, Google, Facebook, Apple, they're just, they're old cash cows now. And, uh, um, and you know, um, when I was starting my company, we, we were on the kind of early stages of using Slack and um, Stripe. And they were great, but you know, now they're kind of like, now what, you know? Yeah. And, then, and they, they did transactions, um, you know, Stripe did and, and uh, Slack was a good communication tool, but there's so much more innovation to be had. And with real time um, fidelity of, of, uh, of ledgers of any type, um, there's a power in that. There's an intellectual honesty when everybody can see the, the numbers in a way that institutions have held from us. So it's much more decentralized, personalized, um, individual. And I, I find all of that, that movement very, very exciting. I do hope, because I don't want to kill the planet, I do hope that we can innovate to a point where um, we are really expanding all of the solar power, all of the battery life of, of things and the mobility of, of said power. And that we're also finding ways with data mining and everything to really reduce the massive amounts of computer energy we're, we're expending. But if we could get it handled through all, you know, solar power or something, we'll be okay. But we've got to keep pushing around keeping the balance, I think, with the innovations that are really energy intensive with the innovation on that side. You've got me really charged up. I just want to go right now there's a, there's so many opportunities crazy, yeah yeah there is there's just uh, a bc said it recently on a podcast he said i don't know if i should be writing a six hundred thousand dollar check or a 60 million dollar check like nobody has an i like an idea right. of you know is it you know just funding all these really small companies that are you know doing one thing is it a, a big one so it's an exciting time uh it really is it really yeah is. it really is it really is. No, I um, uh, I just got through finish, uh, finishing the install of our solar panels here at the house. And, you know, I have my electric car and I'm, I was kind of on my own little grid in Oakland. Now I, it's happened here in Miami and there's innovation happening all the time. Yeah. 
And so we're going to we're going to figure out the balance. We are going to get this right. But but yeah, that that question of what are the right checks? And I think I am excited about the next 18 months with all the shakeout with these so-called unicorns that were way overvalued and hoarding too much capital to have that more distributed and for new innovations to get access to new money as people go, oh, that big old castle that I was working at is crumbled. And so I'm going to start a new thing. I think that that wave is going to be really fun. It's going to be fun for all of us to be part of. That's that's exciting. Yeah. Well, I think to, to wrap that up, so we always give the last word to you and maybe to, to your last point about, you know, the, the founders or the, the people looking to build, what's, what's maybe one word of advice? Cause it definitely is a crazy time in the job market. Um, what, what's something you would tell either a founder looking to build or a candidate looking for one of these exciting roles? You know, I would say, um, persistence is the word that comes to mind. Um, you know, it's like really to be an entrepreneur is like running a series of marathons. You are going to have times when you finish one marathon, you got to take a serious break. You've got to really rebuild and rest your body. And and, re- and then you like what I've noticed is that there's this whole cycle of I cocoon, I work on something, then I release it, then scale it and then let it go and then start the process over again. Um, what it takes is just um, stick to itness. It takes, you know, not being daunted by um, one rock on, in the river. You're just going to be like the water, and you're going to find a way to go around it or over it or whatever. Um, so it's persistence. I think it's being in it for the long term. Beautiful. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you for joining the Recruiting Niche podcast. Um, to the listeners, we're going to include all of Heather's information, including her uh, LinkedIn, as well yep. as. Um, Black Girls Codes information will get you to me in there. Um, definitely some links to all of these sites that you can get upskilled or new skills in these different arenas. If you're a CEO, definitely give a shout to the team and Heather so that they can check out your information. And we'll see you on the next episode of Recruiting Ish.